Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. Praise God. Well, we have been neck deep since the beginning of the year in uh, talking about this is us and, and who we are as a church, who God has called us to be. Um, before I get too far into this, I would like to dismiss our 4th, 5th, and 6th graders who are in here every Sunday to worship with us, and then they go to uh, the bridge class, so you guys have an awesome day in the bridge. We've been talking about This Is Us and <coughs> who we are as a church, and this is, uh, unless Pastor Daniel is doing something that I don't know about, I think this is the last week uh, for This Is Us. Um, we took one week off in the middle for the Super Bowl, but we've been, uh, and we had a special message then, but we've been, thank you, sir, pretty much talking about uh, who we are since the beginning of the year. And um, I think it's really important. I, I, it's interesting because um, I, I had uh, one of our, our church members who's actually, they're, they're not with us today, but... Um, Tony DeLeon, he, he texted me and he said, um, I was in El Paso and um, I saw a billboard for a church in El Paso and their current series is called This Is Us. And um, I said, well, apparently they were watching us because it was our idea and um, I'm sure that they just stole it from us. Um, I'm joking. But what's interesting is that we can, we can talk about who we are and and. They can talk about who they are and, and the church over here and the church over here and the church over here and, and they can all talk about who they are and, and it's all different things. We all have one thing in common and our one thing in common is that we exalt the name of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that the only way to God is through Jesus. You believe that today? I believe that today. Did you know that it's okay if you're here today and you're like, whoa, he just said that. I don't know, man. I don't know if I really believe that. It's okay. That's all right. No condemnation on you today. No judgment on you today. No judgment on you at any time because that's who we are. We're not people who judge. I'm really glad that you're here even if you struggle with the fact that Jesus Christ is the answer. I believe that he is. But I am excited that you're here today, and I'm also not insecure about my God. I'm not insecure, so I don't need to try to cram anything down your throat. Today, you're going to hear a message about Jesus. But I'm not going to try to cram anything down your throat because it's useless. I can't do that anyway. But I believe that as you open up your heart, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. That's all I ask every single day, is that the Holy Spirit guide me into truth. Holy Spirit, Teach me today. Holy Spirit that God has given us, reveal God to me today. 
in a way that maybe I haven't understood so that I can know deeper the things of God, so that I can know God more today. There's been things in my life, maybe I've heard it in a message or maybe whatever, that I've struggled with. And if you want me to be completely honest, I believe that we should be honest in church, that we don't have to put on a church face when we come in, right? That we can just be ourselves, that we can be people who are honestly searching after God. I believe that we can be that. And so I, I, just being honest, there's been things even that I had taught for years, even that I had preached for years that I start to struggle with and I'm like, let me, let me take a step back. God, show this to me. God, reveal this to me. Because again, I think we can be honest with God. I think we can say, God, I don't get this. God, I don't understand this. Or what about this one? God, I don't think I agree with that. We see in the scripture where we've got um, the prophet, oh my goodness, um, we've got the prophet, uh, one of the, uh, the ones in the Old Testament, I wasn't going to talk about this. Let's say it's, uh, I believe it's Habakkuk that struggled, and if I have the name wrong, then uh, somebody, you know, write an ugly letter to the church afterwards, okay? Um, but... I believe it's the prophet Habakkuk where he said, man, God, you did this to us and you did this to us and you did that to us and uh, I want you to explain yourself. And so he, he gives God an opportunity to explain himself and God says, look, what you don't understand is you said that I had all of you and I didn't have all of you. You said that you were going to, to do these things and to follow through, but you haven't obeyed what I told you to do, but instead... You did your own thing, and as you did your own thing, then these things came on you. I'll explain myself. That's fine. But if you'll follow after me, if you'll, you'll focus on me and, and do what I've said and obey my statutes, then it's going to be well for you in your life. I haven't left you. I didn't leave you alone. I'm not punishing you, but you've brought these things on yourself. All you got to do is change it, and things are going to be better. And so we see at the end of the book, and I'm pretty confident that it is Habakkuk, we see at the end of the book that he comes to the conclusion that no matter what comes in life, no matter what comes his way, there can be, and he says this, he says, though the fig tree will not blossom and there be no, no grapes on the vine and, and the, the, the field yields no wheat, he says, but I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to glory in the God of my salvation. Why? Because he's made me to walk on those things that have held me down. He's made me to walk on those things. He said, I'm not going to stand back. But all of that started with him challenging God. If you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm not sure about this whole God thing. I'm so glad that you're here. Open up your heart. If you have a question afterwards, let's talk about it. If you don't, that's fine. Nobody's going to breathe down your neck or cram anything down your throat. Leave an open mind and an open heart for God to do as he wills. Amen. Praise God. So I want to pray today, and as we pray, we'll get started into this, and I want to ask God to show us truth today through His Holy Spirit. And I don't want me just to ask it. I want you to ask it for your life, because that means something different for you than it means for me. And I believe that as I speak today, that it's not going to be my words, but it's going to be God's words speaking to you about your situation in a unique way. And that way, he'll be elevated in your life. Amen?
So let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for your word. God, I thank you that it's alive and it lives in me. God, I pray today that as we open up our hearts to receive from you, God, that you will show us truth through your Holy Spirit. God, make it real to us. Make it in a way that we cannot deny it in our lives. God, answer those questions that we came in here having and show us who you are. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking out of Luke chapter 15. This is us. It's not somebody else. This is us. Every single week, the last two weeks, I've said that, that there are other places that are called to do different things than we're called to do. It doesn't mean that they're better than us or worse than us or we're better than them or worse than them. We're called to be different. God has called us to do specific things in, our, in this church that maybe he hasn't called another church to do. We are very missions-minded. And while I believe that every church should be missions-minded to some degree, I think that it's very clear in the scriptures how you do that is what God has called you to do individually. It doesn't, just because we have a church in Guatemala doesn't mean every church needs to have a church in Guatemala that they partner with. Just because we have churches in the Philippines that we partner with doesn't mean every church needs to have churches in the Philippines or anywhere else that they partner with. But I believe that God has called us to do specific things. This is us. This is who God's called us to be. Not every church needs to have video and, and broadcast online and, and the things that we do. Not every church needs to do that. We do. This is what God's called us to do. Some would say, well, I don't think the Spirit can move unless you have all that stuff. And some would say, I don't think the Spirit can move if you have all that stuff. Well, I'm here to say, I don't think the Spirit can move unless you're obedient to what God's called you to do. And whatever that is, then go ahead and do it and then let God do the rest. Amen? Praise God. Praise God because I believe that he has raised us up in this time, in this place, for this specific purpose. What we do here may not work in another town, in another city, in another country. It may not work. I don't know. But I know that God's called us to do this right here. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I say the word amen a lot. And the reason I say it is for, not just for affirmation from you. But when you say amen, you're saying, I put my stamp of approval on this. I agree with what was just said. I agree with this for me in my life. You know, God, I don't know why I'm on all this today, but if you know that, that God won't intrude on your life. But whatever you allow him to do, when you allow him to work in your life, you say, God, really that's what we're doing when we get saved, right? Or we accept Jesus. You're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And he's like, well, good, because I already made provision for you because you were found before you knew you were lost. And so I made provision for you in Jesus. But you have to say, I need him. I need him. What we're saying is, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need you to show this to me. And when we say something and you're like, man, I need that in my life, amen. So be it. So be it in my life today is what you're saying when you say amen. So let me say this. Amen? amen. Praise God. We talked about three stories, and we're going to finish off the third story today. Luke chapter 15 
In verse number one, this is the first story that Jesus is telling, and he starts off here. He says, all, and, and forgive me because I'm going to do a recap, and some different things come out each time I do a recap, um, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I heard this, like, this is the third time. Good, it's the third time. Maybe you'll start to get it. It's the sixth time or seventh time or maybe the eighth time that I've spoken it, and uh, I get something different every time. So um, maybe you're, like, bored, but it's all right. Just like, hold on, all right? We're going to get to some really new stuff today, but you got to hold on. So all of the tax collectors and sinners, say all. All of the tax collectors and sinners came to listen to Jesus. All of them. Every single one of them came and they listened to Jesus. That sounds like a good day to me. Let's get together a bunch of people that are broken and are hurting and are messing up, and let's get them all together, and let's listen to the answer. Doesn't that sound like a good day? He says all the tax collectors, you could say this, all the messed up people. Now why don't you look at the person next to you and say he was talking about you when he said that. All the messed up people came to listen to Jesus. I believe that today we have a room full of messed up people coming and listening to what Jesus has to say to us. And that goes from the platform back, all right? Starting up there, I'm playing. All the tax collectors and the sinners, they came and they listened to Jesus, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, they complained that Jesus would even listen to these people, that he would eat with these people. Man, it goes even beyond that he's just indulging them in their conversation. No, he's eating with them. Like, he's purposefully sitting down, having conversation with people that are messed up. Oh, my gosh. I'm here to tell you this, that the Pharisees and the scribes were in that group too. They just didn't want you to know it. So they were acting like they weren't messed up, but they were just as messed up, just as broken as everybody else. I've said this for the last couple of weeks, and I really mean it, and I really want it. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. This is us, that I would rather have a church full of people who cuss a little bit than a church full of people who fake it every week. Right? Because we're all coming together. I think y'all get excited because you're like, see, I told you it was all right. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But guys, what I'm saying is that we need to come together. We need to be real. We need to come together. We need to be who we are. We need to come together and we need to recognize that God is working on our heart. Amen. God is working on us to shape us and to mold us into he to he to into who he wants us. Why was that so hard? Oh my gosh. This is my first time, guys, so I hope I do okay. I don't even remember when my first message was, my first sermon. I don't even remember. I think uh I have no idea. High school or something. I've done this, I don't know, thousands of times, but maybe one day I'll get better. Um, so the Pharisees and the scribes, they were complaining about it. He welcomes sinners. He eats with them. But Jesus spoke using this illustration. Jesus used three stories to tell us about who God is. He used three stories to tell us about what the kingdom of God is. He used three stories to tell us why Jesus welcomes the tax collectors and the sinners. Why does he eat with them? Why does he, he uses three stories. 
The first one, he says, and this is kind of the, the, the sexy one right now because of the song Reckless Love. We talk about he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And it's become to the forefront. But there's three stories here. But he starts with this one. Suppose there's a man that has 100 sheep and he loses one of them. I've made you guys say it every week. Why don't we stop now? Say one. So he had 100 sheep. He loses one of them. Well, doesn't he leave the nine? I love how it says it. It doesn't say he leaves the 99. I love that word doesn't in there. Well, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? Like, that's the most common thing that I can think of at this moment. What else would he do? That's just the common reaction. You have 100, you lose one, you go after the one. That's just what you do. When we see the word shepherd anywhere in Scripture, not just here, but anywhere in Scripture, it's talking about a pastor, an overseer, a leader. So this is a leader, a pastor, a shepherd that has 100 sheep and he loses one of them. Well, doesn't he leave the 99 grazing in the pasture and look for the lost sheep until he finds it? He doesn't give up. He searches until he finds it. There is not a time where he says, you know what, I, I, I give up on them. What if we put it in real terms? It's not, well, they made their own bed. They have to sleep in it. It's not, well, I guess I'm just going to write them off. If we're being honest and open today, I can say that there's been times where I've had that attitude, where I've said, you know what, well, I can't do anything about it anyway. They're just going to make their own decisions. I'll be here when they come back. Have we ever said that? Maybe I'm the only one in the room, but I don't think I am. He said here that he looks until he finds it. And when he finds it, he's happy. And he puts that sheep on his shoulders. He doesn't say, all right, I found you. Now follow me. Let's go back. Get in. Get in the car. I have a dog that runs away. My dog's like 88 years old, and, uh, but I tell you what, like he can barely move. I have one step in my house, and there's days he cannot get up that step. I'm, it's no lie. Like he's got a bad hip. He's got gray hair everywhere. Some of y'all are like, oh, I haven't seen your dog in forever. Well, he'll probably come and visit your house soon because if, I'm telling you what, like he can have, there's been times where I have to go up because I'm not sure if he's still living. I'm not kidding. So... And Hayden can testify, right? But you can also testify to this, Hayden, that if you leave the door cracked that much, he will muster up the energy to get out that door like a cheetah chasing a rabbit. Like that dog is like, boom, out the door. Now used to, I would try to chase him. Used to, I'd be like, boomer, boomer, get over here, boomer. Now I'm like, if he wants to go, he knows how good it is here. He knows how bad it is out there. So, you know, go for it. Fine. Scrounge for your food. That's okay. But what do I do whenever I, whenever I find him? Like, if he's running around, sometimes I don't even know he's gone. I'm serious. I'm not lying. So I'll be, like, driving. I'm like, hey, that looks like my dog. <laughs> you know what I do? I hope that I don't get a ticket later on for my dog running around. Some of y'all are just going to start reporting me. 
When I see Boomer running around, I pull up next to him in the car and I roll down my window and I say, Boomer, get in. And if he doesn't get in, I just keep driving. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I am, there's no exaggeration. Sometimes I've been accused of exaggerating stories. I am not exaggerating this story. I'm like, Boomer, get I'm like, he'll be back. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. He'll be back. You guys get that line? Never mind. It's okay. He says when he finds it, he's happy, and he puts that sheep on his shoulders, and then he goes home. I believe here that the home he's referring to is the church, and that's how we should be. So he says then he calls us friends and his neighbors, people he likes and people he doesn't like. They're just close. He calls them together. He's like, hey, we're going to have a party. Why are we going to have a party? Uh, because I found my lost sheep. And uh, it's cause to celebrate, so we're going to party like it's 1999 because I found my lost sheep, right? We're going to have a cake that says, welcome home, lost sheep. I can guarantee that there will be more happiness in heaven over one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks than uh, the way he thinks and acts than over the 99 people who have already turned to God and have his approval. Let's go to the next one. That's story number one. Story number two. He talks about a woman. Her name is Penny. The scripture doesn't say that, but it's logical because she collected coins. No? You guys all right? Clarissa, your joke fell flat. They didn't like your joke. Do you like it more if it's from Clarissa rather than it's from me? You're like, his jokes are terrible. Clarissa tells it. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's so funny. It says, or what woman? Or what woman having ten silver coins if she loses one? Again, one. Say it. She has ten coins. She loses one. Does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. We estimate that this coin is worth about 250 bucks. About $250 is what this coin is worth. One day's wage, one day's salary. All right? Some of you are like, I wish I made 250 bucks in a day. Some of you are like, oh, 250 bucks. It's not even, it just depends on where you're at, right? But this is based on an average salary, a one day's wage, about $250 before taxes, right? He says, it does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she founds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends again. Here's that friends and neighbors. She calls the people that she likes and the people that are just close. And she says, hey, come on, we got to have a party. Now this one is even a little more absurd than the other one. Hey, guys, we got to have a party. Let's fill out invitations. I'm going to create a Facebook event because we're going to have the party of the century. Oh, yeah? Why are we having a party? Uh, I had lost a coin, and now I found it. So this is the reason to sell. You don't celebrate over lost coins? I celebrate. I celebrate over found coins. Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I have lost. I want to bring out something today that we've talked about just a little bit in this, but I think it's interesting. Have you ever had people over to your house or like you throw a birthday party for your kids or something? Like that is the most expensive thing in the world. You throw a birthday party for your, we started doing with my daughter, we started saying, if you'll agree to not have a birthday party, I'll give you cash. 
I will give you cash if you will forego, sign this piece of paper. I sign away my rights to a birthday party, and I'll, I'll give you 200 bucks just right now. Boom, there it is. Because I'm going to save money. Because it costs so much. Man, if there's going to be food too, people come out of the woodwork. You hadn't seen people and forever. They're, we just want to celebrate the birth of your daughter, the birthday of your daughter. We just wanted to celebrate. Man, you don't even know her name. Oh, where's the food at? Right? Oh, little uh, Brooklyn is growing up so much now. People come out. I guarantee you that the party that she threw costs more than $250. Guarantee it. It's a foregone conclusion. That party costs more than $250. I promise you that. So why would she throw such a party because she found something? She probably even had to take off work where she could have earned $250 because she had to first find the coin, and second, she had to plan the party, right? She probably took days off work because she had to do it all up for this lost coin that she found. She lost way more than $250, but it wasn't about the face value of the coin. It was about the celebration of finding the one that was lost. How many are glad that God does not place our value on what the face of the coin says, but he places our value on what he has called us to, what our purpose is. It's not based on the face value of the coin, but it's our worth in his eyes, which is far greater than maybe what our face value says. Amen? Praise God. I'm so glad that God doesn't judge me based on my face value. He says there's so much joy in the presence of angels over, again, say one sinner who repents. So that brings us to our third story, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. He says that there's a certain man. He had two sons. We've been saying the word one a lot. Here's two. Here's the tale of two sons. Here, here are our are, are, are two brothers that have very different views on life. Two brothers that have very different perspectives here. A certain man, he had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided it unto them. I want you guys to say them. See, that means both of them, right? He divided the goods. The younger son, he goes up and he says, hey, can I have my inheritance now? And the father says, yes, and he gives it to both of his sons. That's very important. I want you to remember that. Like, tuck it away in your mind. We're going to come back to it. He divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together. He journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted it says his possessions. He wasted his, it wasn't he wasted his father's possessions. He wasted his possessions because they were given to him, right? And then it says, 
He does this with prodigal living. And when he had spent all that he had, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent them into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. I think it's so important that the son here, we get this picture, that the son, he goes away to a faraway country, he spends all of his possessions, the things that the father has given him, the storehouse, and then when he was in want and in lack, he joined himself to a person from that country. I think this is a picture of us because at times we pray to God and we say, God, please get me out of this hole. God, please pour out this blessing. God, please, or maybe it's a promotion or it's a job or whatever. God, please do this. God, I really want this. God, this would help me so much. And God pours out his blessing on us. And then how many times after God pours out his blessing do we travel to a faraway country? And we lose sight of the one who blessed us and the one who gave everything for us. And we've got a storehouse and everything seems to be fine. And then things begin to crumble and things begin to fall apart because we're wasting our possessions, because we're wasting those things that he's given us. And things begin to crumble and fall apart. And many times, instead of just running back into the arms of God, we join ourselves to a person of that country. And if we join ourselves to a person of that country, we begin to quickly realize that they don't do things like the way my father does them in his house. We see a perfect example here if we go on. He goes back and the father says, we're going to bring out the best robe. We're going to bring out the ring and put it on his finger. We're going to bring sandals and put them on his feet. We're going to bring out the fatted calf. We're going to kill it. We're going to throw a big party. See, that's what his father did when he came and he said, I need help. But what did they do when he joined himself to someone from that country? He said, well, I guess you can go and feed the swine, but I'm not going to give you anything else. I, I just, he was like, man, if I could just have one of the, the, the little pods that you feed the pigs, I'd be okay. And he didn't even get that. And things are crumbling and they're falling apart. See, there are Christians that things are crumbling and falling apart and they have no idea and they think that God has left them and really what they've done is they've gone away and they've joined themselves to someone of that country. They've joined themselves to someone else who doesn't do things the way that God does them. And we wonder why things are falling apart in our life. Well, this son, he says, you know what? Maybe I could just go back and I could be one of my father's servants. Maybe I could go back and I could, I could just work for my dad because at least the job was better for him than it is here. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to join myself there. And what I'm going to say is, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. I'm no longer worthy 
I am no longer worthy. There are so many Christians sitting in churches in this room and around this country and around this world that are here begging God to take them back because things are crumbling in their life and they feel like they're not worthy to hold the place that they once held. But God says today, when did it ever become about being worthy? When was it ever about being worthy? When you first came to me, you were a mess. When you first came to me, you were broken, and I welcomed you. No, you weren't worthy then. When Jesus died on the cross for you, you weren't worthy then. So if it's about being worthy, then you failed over and over and over and over again. But it's not about being worthy. It's about being forgiven. It's not about being worthy It's about the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and for me. It says he arose and he came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. His father was looking for him. His father was looking intently every single day for him. He was searching for him, just like the shepherd was going after the sheep, just like the woman was going after the coin. His father was looking for him, and he had compassion on him. And he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And he said to him, this is the son. He said, Father, I've sinned against you. He, he went through his speech. And the father, he said to his servants, see, he made a distinction right here between the son and the servant. He made a distinction. The son said, I just want to be a servant. The father didn't even acknowledge that the son said that, but he said everything in what he didn't say. He turned around and he said to his servant, go and get things for my son. We come to God and we feel so beaten down sometimes because of the things that we've done. We feel so broken sometimes because of the things that we've done and we feel like we're not worthy. And if I could just come back, if I could just come back. There was an old saying, I don't even know where it came from. But there was an old saying that said, if I could just have a little shack in the corner of glory land, I'd be all right. If I could just have a little shack. I'm here to tell you that you don't have a shack in glory land. You have a mansion in glory land. Amen? Hallelujah. And your mansion is not based on what you've done or how worthy you are. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to bring the best robe and bring the ring and bring the sandals and put them on his feet and bring the fatted calf. That tells us four things that God wants us to remember. Four things. He wants us to remember our style. He said, I want to bring a robe and I want to put it on you. I want you to remember your style, that you have been called to the top of style. You have been called to carry proudly your God, to wear him on the outside, to show everybody that this is what God has done for me. Because you know what? He makes you look good. He makes you look good. Because I've seen some of y'all without God. How many would just be completely honest with me right now and say, without God, I was kind of ugly? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about your personal life, your personality. I was kind of ugly without God. 
Man, he makes me look good. I want you to remember your style. I'm going to put my robe on you, and I want you to remember your style. The second thing I want you to remember is your authority. I'm going to put a ring on your finger, a symbol of authority. And I want you to remember your authority. Don't, do not forget your authority. Do not forget that I have given you authority in this house and in this kingdom and in this world. I've given you authority. Jesus said that he has given, that God has given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Jesus gave us permission to use that name. So don't forget it. Use it. Use the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus when trouble arises. Use the name of Jesus when struggles come. Use the name of Jesus when fear begins to creep in. Use the name of Jesus when unforgiveness and hurt and pain begin to creep into your life and those things in your past begin to creep up and begin to say, this is who you'll always be. Use the name of Jesus. That is the name that is above the name of fear. That is the name that is above the name of brokenness and above the name of hurt. Use that name. In the name of Jesus, I've been redeemed by him. In the name of Jesus, that is not my lineage anymore. I know that that may be my physical past, but my spiritual past says that I've overcome in the name of Jesus. Amen? Praise God. We have to remember who our authority is through. He said, I want you to put sandals on his feet. I don't want you to forget your purpose. See, you went away and you forgot your purpose. You went away and you forgot that you've been called to far greater than that. And you've been living below your purpose. There are so many of us that we've been living below our purpose because we feel like we're unworthy. We've been living below our purpose because we've made mistakes. He said, I don't want you to forget your purpose, so I'm going to put sandals on your feet to remind you of what those feet are meant to take you to do. And the last thing he says is, I want to bring out the fatted calf. I don't want you to forget where your provision comes from. I'm going to bring out the fatted calf because your provision is from me, and I've raised you up into something great. I don't want you to forget it. And so then we see the older son. All that was just recap, y'all. It's almost time to quit. It's all right, because we're almost done. His older son, he was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What a great story in the Bible that it has lots of partying, lots of food, Music and dancing, right? It's my kind of story in the Bible. Don't act like you don't like it. Oh, I'm holier than that, bull. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. It says, but he, meaning the older son, was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you and I never transgressed your commandment at any time. 
And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So let's break this down. Number one, the younger son, if you'll remember, we talked extensively about it just five minutes ago, that the younger son begged for his father's approval after he had messed up, after he had sinned, after he had wandered away. He begged for his father's approval, and the father didn't even give it a second thought. He said, you're my son, and now you're home. You're not a servant. You're a son. The father didn't even give it a second thought. This son was working. He didn't even know what was going on because he was working all day in the field. The younger son felt like he had to beg for his father's approval. The older son felt like he had to work for his father's approval. I've been working in the field. This guy's over there doing God knows what, but I'm over here, and I'm working every single day. I get up early. I go to bed late. Do you see the calluses on these hands from what I have been doing for you every single day? And I still feel like I don't have your approval. Maybe you're sitting here, and you're saying, I can't identify with that younger son. I've never strayed away. I'm never straight away. Well, can you identify with the older son? I've been here working and working and working, and he gets all the stuff and I don't get anything. I've done what I'm supposed to do my whole life. And I still struggle. I've done what I'm supposed to do my whole life, and I still have these bad things that come on me. I have done what I'm supposed to do every single day, and I keep working over and over and over and over again. And what's the thanks I get? I got a marriage that's struggling. What's the thanks I get? My kids are broken. What's the thanks I get? I live paycheck to paycheck, and I don't even know how it's going to work sometimes. But I still, I'm here every single day. This older son is angry. Because I've been here and I've been working. Do you know that both views of God are wrong? The younger son said, I've got to beg because I've just been living it up. And I'm going to beg just to have a seat on the payroll, just to have a spot to work for my father. That's a wrong view of our father God. But the older son thought that he should be justified by his works. And I've been working and working and working, and it's still not good enough. That's a wrong view of our father We have that view so many times. Man, I've been a good Christian. I I don't even, I I only listen to positive, encouraging K-love all the time. That's all I even listen to. I 
I don't even, I don't even look at YouTube. I just, I just look at GodTube all the time. So what I look at, is that still there? I don't even know if GodTube is still a thing. I do everything that's right, and I work, and I work, and I work. And it doesn't get me anywhere. He has a wrong view of his Father God, and we'll show it. It says, he heard, and this is important, he heard music and dancing. Oh, music, they should be out in the field working. I'm here working. Remember that no one told him he had to go out and work all the time. Nobody told him that. But he took it upon himself. Then he gets mad because somebody else is having a good time. There's music and dancing over there. Oh, my Lord. What's going to happen now? All kinds of debauchery, right? I bet they're playing pool, too. You guys ever seen The Music Man? The old musical, The Music Man? No? Never mind. I use these references, and y'all are like, this guy, he needs to get out more. Thank you. You know, a funny story about that. Um, in The Music Man, there's a song that uh, he talks about there's trouble with a capital T, which rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. So the idea was that there was a pool hall coming into this town, and it was going to ruin the town, all right, because it was a pool hall. Um, so anyway, I'm at the first time I'm ever in Guatemala, I'm surprised they've invited me back. Um, I'm surprised at a lot of places, actually. Um, but I was in Guatemala, and uh, we were doing some workshops on youth ministry, and um, Terry Scott and I, and we have these notes, and we've done it all over the world, these workshops, right? So we're there, and we're talking about, uh, like, activities and stuff like that. And I have listed in there um, that you can do things like play pool, or I don't even remember how it is, but it's something like that, right? Um, so I have this listed, and I say that, right? And uh, I think it's just, just being relevant to whatever your culture is, and if that's something people enjoy, then do it, right? Um, that was the ultimate goal. So I say that, and uh, they have this funny look on their face, and I'm like, okay. I mean, it's whatever. So I'm not really deterred. So we go to the next place, and we're doing this workshop again, and I mention pool again, and they have this funny look on their face again, and I'm like, so weird, but it's cool, whatever. So we go to the next place, and, and Tracy, who we're with, she said, hey, can you not talk about pool this time? And I was like, why? Why not? They're all, so here, pool is associated with, like, all types of vile, like, sins. And I'm like, what? And she goes, like the music man. I was like, you got to be kidding me, really? Trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes the P, and that stands for pool? She goes, yeah, and that's exactly what it is. Like, pool is not something that you associate with as somebody who's supposed to be like a Christian or righteous. I'm like, really? Pool, like, right? So, anyway, very interesting. I don't even know how I got on that. So he heard music and people playing pool, and he was like, something's got to be bad going on here. It's going down for real, right? So when he got upset, notice what he did, and I want you to examine yourself. Because when, it, when things are going bad and he was getting mad, he heard music and dancing, and he was like, what's going on here? He called one of the servants. He called one of the servants. Instead of saying, I know my father and I know what he stands for. I know what goes on in my father's house. I'm his son. 
He doesn't go on that knowledge. He doesn't go and say, hey, Father, I heard music and dancing. What's going on over here? He doesn't do that. But he goes to one of the servants. And he says, hey, what's going on here? And he says, your brother has come home. This is the servant's take. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father killed the fatted calf. And what did the son do? He got angry and he wouldn't even go in. He wouldn't even go in. In the first story, we talked about the shepherd and the lost sheep. And when he brought the sheep back home, he took the sheep back to the safe place, back to the church, and they celebrated the found. In the story of the woman, she found the one coin and she celebrated the found. In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son came home and they celebrated the found. But let me challenge you. Excuse me. <coughs> wow. I tried to put my hand like right here, but I put it right here and I made it louder. I'm sorry. The servant misunderstood the whole concept of why the father was excited that the son was home. See, it wasn't that the son had come home safe and sound. It was that the son had found his purpose. It wasn't that the son had returned home and he wasn't harmed. It's that the son had found something deeper. He had began to understand that in his father's house, everything was taken care of. He began to understand that I don't need to join myself with somebody from another country. I need to join myself to my father's house. He began to have a greater understanding. See, God is not offended by your sin. God is not offended by your brokenness, by your hurts, by your struggling. God doesn't want you to experience those things because he does not want a hurt to happen in your life. And when you're out and you're lost, what's tearing him up? Oh, well, they're out there playing pool. I, go, I know it. I guarantee it. Right? That was funny, you guys. You can laugh. Thank you. He's like, I know what they're doing out there. No, God isn't offended by those things. He's saying, you know what's happening out there? They're joining themselves to a person of another country. And when they're doing that, they're not experiencing my best. They're scrounging for food. There's a famine in the land. They're broken and their resources are falling thin. And they can have it so much better in my house. The reason that the father is excited when the lost become the found is because no longer do we have to live in our brokenness just trying to put the pieces back together as good as we can. He knows that when we come back into his house, then all the provision is ours. All the authority is ours. All the style is ours. All the purpose is ours and we can remember those things and we don't have to live like we're broken anymore. See, but the servant missed that. The son should know that. The son's been in the house. The son should know that. But we, as people of the church, so many times we resent the fact that we celebrate the found. I've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. How come when we were giving out gifts to people who were our first-time guests, we gave them a coffee cup? I've been here for 20 years. I had to pay for my coffee cup. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I say that because of experience, y'all. I'm sorry if that was you. Get over it, all right? Why don't you go ahead, just give your five bucks for your coffee cup so that we can buy more for people that are found, all right? It says that as a son, he was angry. So what did his father do? This is important. What did his father do? Well, I guess he can be angry if he wants. I mean, he's been here. That's stupid that he's angry. No, what did the father do? He treated him the same way that he treated the younger son. I love that. The younger son, he was lost. The father went out and he looked for him every single day. And when he came, he ran to him and he was excited. The, the, the younger or the older son, he was mad. He wouldn't even go into the party. So what did his father do? He went out and he pleaded with him. And so the son said, all right, if you're going to plead with me, if you want me to go in so bad, here's how I feel. And he leaves nothing back. He doesn't hold anything back. He says, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I like this. How arrogant is this? I never transgressed against your commandment at any time. I have never once disobeyed you. Do you think that's true? You think that was true? Not at all, right? Have your kids ever done that? Man, every single day I do everything you tell me to do. Yeah. I've never had attitude one time. Oh, okay. But the son, the father just lets him talk. He's all, every single day you told me to do this and I did it. I was there every day. I've never once disobeyed you. And how do you treat me? You never did this for me. You never. How did the story start? Go back one slide. Look at this. How did the story start? There was a certain man that had two sons. The younger said, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided it unto them. You never gave me anything. Whoa, bro. If you remember, I gave you everything that I gave your younger brother too, even though you didn't even ask for it. I gave it to you. How quickly he forgets. You never did anything for me. Go to the next one. He says, you never gave me a young goat that I might have a party with my friends. He says, but as soon as this son of yours, not as soon as my brother, as soon as this son of yours. Anybody have two kids and experience this? As soon as your brother, I know you didn't do it when you were kids. It's just your kids that do it, right? As soon as this son of yours came, he devoured, look, your livelihood. Remember, the scripture says that he wasted his possessions. But the older son, he didn't understand that when the father gave it to him, he didn't understand it about himself either. He said, no, you gave him your possessions and he wasted your possessions. And then he looks at it as now I'm working in the field and you never gave me anything because all I have is a bunch of your stuff that I have to take care of every day. 
that I have to watch over, that I have to make sure. He has this very legalistic view of who his father is, a very harsh view of who his father is. He devoured your livelihood with harlots, an imitation, an imitation of the family, an imitation that defiles everything that you've done. The son was bent out of shape. You come and you kill the fatted calf for him. Not for me, but for him. I experienced this in my life a lot. Every time my sister comes to visit, <laughs> I'm telling you, my mom, she makes my sister's favorite stuff all the time. When she comes, there's a list. And I'm like, man, I am here every day. And what do I get? Hey, we have leftovers in the fridge. My dad doesn't cook a lot. He makes the best chorizo and eggs that there is in the world. You know when I get it? When my sister comes. But you know what's funny? This last time that my sister was here, I was griping about it. Not, I wasn't upset, but I, was, I, was, I like to be dramatic sometimes. <laughs> I know. Revelation, guys. Revelation. That's where you say, no, not you. And so I was being dramatic, and I was saying, man, you always make it when Courtney comes, but if I'm here, I never get it. I have to wait till she comes. I'm going to pay for a plane ticket to come just so I can get chorizo. That's it. <laughs> but my dad said, you could have it any time if you just said you wanted it. <laughs> you could have it any time. Are we sitting in the church today taking advantage or taking for granted what God has done for us? Are we sitting here taking for granted what God has provided for us and given to us when all that he has is ours? Are we saying, no, the only time we get to have a party is when somebody comes back and it's not even for us? Are we taking for granted what God has done for us? See, the, the father, he looked at the son and he said, yes, son, I know you've been working every single day. I appreciate the fact that you're there and you've never gone away. But I want you to understand, you're always with me. You're always with me. All that I have is yours. Every single day. Uh, but your brother, he lost sight of that and he went away. And so he's come back now, and I want to remind him of what you should have always known. That all that I have is yours, and the right thing to do is that we make merry and be glad because your brother's come back, because my son has come back. See, there's two sons in this story. Many of us identify with the first son because we've gone out and we've done a lot of dumb stuff, and we've made life hard for ourselves. We've squandered it away. 
We come back and we're just begging God to take us back. But then there's the second son. And the second son has been there slaving away and working. And he feels like he's neglected and mistreated. Both of them are wrong. Because the father has the same view of all of us. And who are we? We should mirror that view. That if we're the church of Jesus Christ, we should mirror that view. That today, you don't have to beg. You're welcome. And today, you've been here a long time and you've been working. Thank you. It's all yours. It's all yours. When we go to our Father God, it's all yours. Those things, go back to the other one one more time. The best robe, why did he have to bring it out and put it on the younger son? Because the son had forgot his style. And he said, I want you to remember. See, the older son, he should have never lost it. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I have lost sight of it. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe you're mad and you won't go into the house. It's okay. We'll go to you. We'll go to you. And I'll remind you. God will remind you, just like he's reminded. He's saying this today to remind you, just like he's reminding those who have gone away. Remember your style and the person that I've called you to be. I want you to remember that all you have to do is pick up the phone. All you have to do, because the authority is yours, all you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, this, in the name of Jesus, All you have to do is say, Jesus, help me. Guys, you're having trouble in your finances today. If you're having trouble in your finances, you're like, I am working and working and working. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I need your help. I've done that. I was in a bad spot. And I said, hey, Holy Spirit, inside of me, you know about finances. Just show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to do. Teach me about it. You're not sleeping well at night. There's, uh, there's uh, a couple of people here. You're not sleeping well tonight, at night. Like, not just where you're just, like, restless and can't shut off your mind. I mean, like, you, you're struggling with, with going to sleep every single night. You almost dread going to bed because you know you're just going to lay there and toss and turn. You don't know what to do. I want you right now to say, Jesus... The scripture says that you are my rest. 
And so I call upon you to be my rest. See, it's very simple. We have access. And you've been struggling and you don't have to. So when you go to bed tonight, I want you to do that very same thing. I want you to say, Jesus, you said you would be my rest. And so I call upon you to be my rest, to help me to rest. You're going to have the best night's sleep tonight that you've had in a long, long time. You see how that works? You know what just happened? The Father went to you. The Father just went to you. Because I, I don't know who I was talking about. I don't know who I was talking to. I had no idea. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or to come up here or anything like that. It may be somebody online. It may be somebody in this room. I don't know. I have no idea. It may be one person, two people, maybe 100 people. I don't know. I don't need to know. I don't need you to call me. I don't need, if you want to give testimony, then you're more than welcome to give testimony. And we give opportunity for that all the time here. But what happened is I don't know that you're going through that, but he knows you're going through that, and you've never asked him. But the father just went to you, and he said, it's all right. You've never asked, but I care about you so much. I'm going to go to you. Next time, ask. Next time, just come to me. It's not that big a deal. Just come. Don't go to the, go to the next one. Don't, don't go to the servant. i got to be done, you guys. But don't go to the servant and ask what these things mean. No, no, just come to me. Just say, hey, hey, what's going on? God, I'm having trouble with this, and I don't think that's, that's your best for my life. Help me out with it. And he says, oh, well, you're always with me. All that I have is yours, so go ahead. Go ahead, it's yours. Praise God. God is so good, Amen. Praise God. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus today. Why don't we pray in the name of Jesus? We pray in the name of Jesus because that's where our authority lies. Jesus said, anything you ask the Father in my name, I'll do for you. Anything you ask the Father in my name, that's where our authority lies. So when we pray, we say in the name of Jesus because we're qualifying on whose authority we come. We're only in the family because of Jesus. So God, we come today to your throne on the basis of the blood of Jesus. And we ask for your help. God, we ask you to reach out to us. We know. Wow. 
Yeah, unplug that or something. That was special. Aren't you glad that God's not deterred by those things? God, we come to you. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your acceptance. We thank you that you're holy and you're just. You guys are running a little long today, but I just want to say that if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never received Jesus into your life, I want to invite you to do that. See, we all need help. Maybe you think that you're not good enough or you're not worthy or, again, it's not about you being worthy. Jesus Christ saw that you needed help and he gave his life for you. And all we have to do is receive that gift that he's given us. It's a gift of life. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we'll be saved. So if that's you and you've never asked Jesus to come in, I want to invite you to do that. Whether you're watching online or you're here with us today, you've never received Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody that's in this place to pray it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, we're a family here and we don't have to pray by ourselves. So if that's you, just say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time today, the Bible says you're a child of God. Last thing I want to do today is we've been talking about searching after the one and I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray for one person that you know today struggling or hurting today. Maybe they're going through something in their life. I want you to take a second and to pray for them. You don't need to tell anybody who that is. Just between you and God. I want you to ask God for opportunities to share with them today or this week. The last thing today I want to do is if you're struggling in any area of life, here at Word of Life, we're talking about who we are and who God is. And, and one of the things that we are not, and I'm going to come down here so I can see you, we are not nosy at Word of Life. We don't need to get into your business, but I do want to pray for you. And so if you're struggling in any area of life, what I'd like you to do 
is just lift your hand. And I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm not going to make you tell me what's wrong. And nobody's going to ask you, I promise. But if you're struggling in any area of life, I just want you just to lift your hand up so we know who we're praying for. Father God, I pray for these in the name of Jesus that have lifted up their hands. God, for whatever reason, they've got things going on in life that is not your best. They're struggling, they're hurting, they're broken. They've got sickness, they've got financial trouble. They got, I, I don't know what it is, God, but you know exactly what it is. And so, God, we join together as the people of God today, and we lift up our brothers and our sisters. God, meet their needs. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As you go through your week, these people that have raised their hands, I want you to pray for them. I do not want you to text them and say, hey, I saw you lifted your hand on Sunday. What's wrong? Don't do that. Sometimes we use prayer lists as an excuse to gossip. We don't need to do that. What you can do is just send them a text and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Praying for you today. I, almost every day I send somebody a text because God has brought them across my mind for whatever reason, and I pray for them. And I'll send them a text and I'll say, hey, I was thinking about you today. Just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. I don't want you to think it's weird if you get that text from me. Why? What did you hear? I didn't hear nothing. Not, not at all. Not, not a thing. I heard God bring you to my mind. I don't know. I'm just praying for you. We can do that with one another, can't we? Praise God. Praise God. It's been a good day. A little bit of a long day. I'm sorry. I had to get done. It was a good day. God is really, really good to us. Far more than we deserve, but it's not about what we deserve. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you guys to uh, take this card that you probably sat on and invite somebody, okay? Invite somebody to come to church with you. Share the links to the uh, live stream. Let people know that there are really good things going on here at Word of Life. Uh, probably next week, we're going to announce some cool stuff, all right? So uh, come back and see us then. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love.